Welcome to The Weekly. I'm Jeremy. I'm Chris. And this week on The Weekly. So we're starting off, sadly, with the passing of Brian Ansel and Janelle Jaquez. Uh, and then moving into nonsense with a Halo <laughs> war game. Okay. Uh, the New Year and new Magic the Gathering AI art. So and continued nonsense. Uh, yes, and a continued pledge by Wizards of the Coast that they are not going to use AI-generated right, art. Okay. And the end of the Golden Age. So there was a post by um, one of the authors that's kind of done uh, history work of uh, D&D saying, it's over. We were we were witness to it, and it is done. This kind okay. of like, um, I would say probably a second golden age. I wouldn't say this was a first. <laughs> yeah, this is this was uh, yeah maybe a silver age. But let's start with the, all the bad news, and I hope this doesn't continue throughout the year because we're getting to that point where a lot of the creators, you know, if any ill health befalls some of the original creators, you know, then we're going to be seeing more and more, and it's yeah very sad. Well, yeah, so very unfortunate. So let's start with the grandfather of Warhammer. So Brian Ansel has passed. Uh, so uh, he, he took uh, Games Workshop from basically a general hobby game retailer into the modern age of manufacturing. So they started wow. off, you know, basically Games Workshop was a Games Workshop, which is where yeah. they just basically did uh, like backgammon and checkerboards and everything. And uh, they were an importer, distributor, and retailer of board games and RPGs, and they became a manufacturer of miniature war games. And uh, so he was the um, uh, co-author of the first edition of Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Okay. And uh, basically, it was just, wow, we're making all these great miniatures. And so basically, also the founder of Citadel Miniatures, so the collaboration. He had a miniatures company called uh, uh, he had a miniatures company which had then became uh, Citadel Miniatures working with uh, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston at Games Workshop and uh, they set up manufacturing and the rules for fantasy battles were because what we what want just, something? yeah something to do we want something not, it's not just for D&D it's not just for so here's something to do with all these miniatures and the ideas that they originally had I wish still existed you know I wish we're still part of the whole thing but unfortunately we lost uh, we lost Brian at uh, age 68 uh, on December 30th of last year. On the quote from his family, he passed away peacefully at home uh, this morning, surrounded by family. Uh, that was from their shared Instagram account. And uh, yeah, so that's a uh, uh, Citadel uh, miniatures quickly became the most profitable part of Games Workshop. And that kind of freed up uh, Jackson and uh, Livingston to work on the fun- fighting fantasy game books. Yep. And then uh, you know, things went from there. But uh, the other interesting thing is, although he didn't contribute to the original uh, Rogue Trader, uh, a lot of the ideas from Rogue Trader came from his uh, Laser Burn, his 1980 oh, okay. Laser Burn game that he co-authored with Halliwell. And so the power armor, bolt, uh, bolt guns, techno-feudalism all kind of went into the 40K setting, and that was originally... Uh, created by them so uh, he sold his holdings in uh games workshop in 1991 and uh set up a uh another separate minis manufacturer uh, war games foundry as a kind of retirement project and he's been uh up until his death he was a very active member of the old hammer community so he never left the hobby and i think continued to inspire and keep Mm -hmm. uh keep people thinking in in those older older ways that uh yeah he had a big big part of so yeah it's very sad i just started reading the uh, dice men the kind of history of games workshop and yeah he's uh, a big part of that uh, as soon as they started to really take off um and i I love that i think that it's the worth the price of that book just to see that original games workshop logo have you seen that it's it's a bootleg it's a bootleg mickey mouse kind of a stoned mickey mouse in a circle and he's just saying 
in lowercase letters games question mark that's the wow one. that's their logo <laughs> So yeah, we'll have to bring, we'll have to have that as a as a graphic at some point. It's 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 a thing of beauty. They should go back to that. Actually, I think that well, would represent now that Steamboat Willie's in the public domain. That's right. Yeah, it's all up for grabs. And another piece of sad news: um, we've been posting the GoFundMe link uh, for uh, yep. the later half of uh, last year for Janelle Jaquez, and unfortunately, she has passed away. Also, at uh, the age of sixty-eight, um, as a battling a long-term from a long-term battle with a uh, Ghislaine Barre syndrome and uh, uh, her partner posted uh, a very, a very touching on uh, blue sky, a very touching picture of uh, holding hands and saying that, uh, yeah, her heart stopped and, uh, and she's passed. And we, we've talked, um, you know, many times about her career, but she worked for TSR judges guild chaosium, but also, uh, you know, EA and, uh, id software. So wow. worked with not only uh, a, a lot of, uh, tabletop role play, but, uh, quake and, uh, Age of Empires, and was also the co-director of the uh, Transgender Human Rights Institute that helped with a lot of legislation for transgender rights. So a, a major figure, and there's a lot of really touching uh, comments uh, below this post. Um, one was, our condolences go out to Janelle, Janelle and her family. The industry lost a legend today. And then uh, people are saying uh, her Savage Frontier is one of the best roleplay books I've ever read. Oh, wow. uh, uh, Janelle Jaquez is one of the true giants in our hobby and an inspiration. She was the only trans person uh, in the Academy of Adventure Gaming and Arts uh, and Design. So you got your work cut out for you. Number two. <laughs> number two. All right. All right. <laughs> so this is from the uh, Origin Awards. Uh, from the yeah, from the Origin Awards, the uh, game Arts and Design Hall of Fame. And uh, uh, and one more. Her uh, campaign source book and catacomb guide uh, book taught me how to run a game. When I was a teenager growing up in a small town in the Bible Belt, no one else to guide me. Uh, I still keep it on my shelf, and I wish I had the opportunity to thank her in person for helping light the way to the hobby I've enjoyed for decades. So, really touching stuff. Good stuff. So, let's stop this, okay? Everybody, take your vitamins. Get get some take sleep. <laughs> get some sleep and don't, don't leave this mortal coil yet. We need you. Uh, Especially this year, this unfortunate year of uh, oh, we're already of, calling of the it dragon. unfortunate. Oh, the unfortunate year <laughs> yeah, of the dragon, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right. So moving on to less consequential things, but a, a little bit surprising. So I'm looking forward to the release, the um, epic uh, release that's coming. The kind of small scale, mantic release they're doing their um, Warpath game, but uh, probably after that, and hopefully they're getting it out of the way because after that they're going to do a Halo <laughs> miniatures game. Okay. So this they've already uh, slated this coming into se uh, September, so September of this year, so giving us plenty of uh, time to be excited. So they're partnering with uh, three uh, three forty three industries, so you can play you know Master Chief and all your little Spartan super soldiers, okay. Okay. and uh, basically I think they're trying to recreate like uh, what they did with multiplayer. So you can play like Red versus Blue. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> your, your machinima fantasies have all come true on the tabletop. Uh, so a brand new uh, Halo combat miniatures game. They're going to go with the 40 millimeter scale for the miniatures, which so was Inquisitor scale. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Something wow. the same thing that um, Star Wars did with Shatterpoint. And I think they're I having some success with that. Okay, I didn't realize Shatterpoint was yeah, a 40 millimeter. Bigger. Okay. Yeah, so if they're going to do the the thing I'm worried about is if they're going to do the same thing as Shatterpoint, that bigger scale makes bigger plastic, and if they're doing terrain, then everything's going the price point is going to be you right. know, just that much higher. So we'll see, but um, yeah, so bringing the Halo multiplayer to life. So this is for tabletop newcomers and veterans, and the 
the encouraging thing about it, like I, I think a lot of the IPs, licensed IP games that um, Mantic has done, they go directly to retail. So okay. the way that they're partnering the deal, they work out. They're not going to, you know, beg and <laughs> have their hands out on the on crowdfunding. They're just going to uh, uh, trust that the IP is popular and right. uh, make a good game. So uh, uh, we're going to get a preview of this March uh, 2024, uh, and it's going to be a thrilling and competitive game. So we'll see. Uh, some of their previous Mantic's uh, previous IP games, they have a Hellboy Dungeon Crawler, a Walking Dead miniatures game, Umbrella Academy board game, and also a uh, upcoming Worms board game based on the PC game. Okay. So they've got a really weird variety of license. I mean, I guess like people go to Free League and they go to Games Workshop and then they stop by Mantic and say, this is what we got left because it's a real strange combination. Oh, of, oh. oh you mean like the people yeah. with the IP? They yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sh- they were yeah, right. shopping them around. They're like, oh, let's, uh, we got a couple left. Let's hit Mantic. Well, <laughs> like, like, I guess related, but different news story. Mm-hmm. Do you know who's looking for someone to produce games? Oh, no. Chick-fil-A. Ouch. Wow. Chick-fil-A. I'm, oh, my. Yeah. So, hey, maybe they'll go to Mantic Games. Yes, right, right. right. A, the, the, the little article I read was uh-huh. mostly they said they were looking for, like, like mobile games, video games, but uh-huh. they're open to, like, all games. Wow. Right? And how the fuck would you even make a Chick-fil-A game? <laughs> Apart from, like, rampant transphobia and all this kind of right, stuff. Right. I, I don't you know. Could yeah. Build, yeah, that, that would be uh, powered by the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you go with that one? If anything, be... <laughs> I am offended. <laughs> no, I was trying to find the most opposite. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, okay. I was trying to make the joke of yeah, the most opposite. But um, yeah, we had that. Didn't we have that weird Burger King? Was that Burger King that had the Wend- tabletop? Wendy's. Wendy's. Right? Yeah, yeah. And had that weird tabletop. Right, and when you showed, hey, as long as you've got the money behind it, yeah. critical role will stand anything. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, that's right. They'll advertise it. Yes. Um, and so this is also following a, a bunch of uh, board game translations of, uh, you know, kind of combat stuff. So we've had the Rainbow Siege 6 shooter and Call of Duty board games, which are just a lot of that same kind of generic stuff on a, uh, a tabletop. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what they'll do with this. It's interesting because the, you know, the Spartan soldiers are exactly the same. Like they're not much of a variety. Yeah, like and yeah, it's, it's pretty generic and strange and i don't even know if giving it more detail at 40 millimeter is going to make the models that much more interesting because they're just okay and and halo really hasn't it's kind of fallen off like the sequels and things that they've maybe been doing maybe that's why they kind of yeah it was right? cheap <laughs> it was cheap but anyhow so we've got a, a quote here from john friend the head of halo and xbox consumer products we are thrilled to team up with mantic to bring the halo tabletop to fans mantic is a leader in tabletop gaming and the quality and experience so through in all of their work so they're excited uh, in this case that the, for the passion of the Halo franchise and for bringing Halo gameplay to the tabletop in an incredibly authentic way. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, that's it's an odd. Yeah. I, okay, I don't play video games. Mm-hmm. My exposure to the Halo franchise is only Master Chief, right? Not, right. So like, I know nothing about it. <laughs> right, right. Worst thing for me here is like another maybe forty, another set of war game rules to check out. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder I wonder what they're going to do like to, to set it apart or to give it a, a feel, you know, to give it a, a feel like the game. So Don't know, because I can't say what the game's feel ah, right, is, right, right, right. but I would kind of be interested if they almost went like the, not the opposite, but obviously, okay, this is a Halo game, so it's got to feel like Halo, whatever that means, <laughs> to like Halo players, mm-hmm. but I would almost wonder if mantic or in the microsoft whatever could do like a fairly generic set of rules mm. right mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because I think the, the only things that really set it apart, there's a, a kind of a, an odd variety of weapons, and then like most of it became a, a standard thing where you've got a shield and then health. Mm. So you have to you know deplete a shield before you're doing damage to health. So that's probably going to be a mechanic, and I guess like running backwards away from things or like circle strafing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How you, you build that in, but yeah, it was one of those like um you know kind of babies first first person shooters mm. because it was only controller based for the longest time it wasn't on a pc so you could only use a controller which is very inexact right. for first person <clears throat> shooters but i think it was the setting and the uh, uh story that first made it you know kind of popular and then the multiplayer the multiplayer you know uh when you couldn't do land parties and stuff you could play multiplayer halo and it had developed its own culture and everything and then you know it became that that series uh rooster teeth did that red versus okay. blue uh, so they, there's some humor in it and some, uh, yeah, so er, early days of, you know, kind of Xbox gaming. It was, Maybe uh, that's what the thing is going to be like. It's it's multiplayer deathmatch mm-hmm. kind of tabletop game. Yeah, Which, and if they do, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Like, from a consumer standpoint, okay, that would be kind of refreshing because maybe all you would have to buy, do is buy, like, one or two, a very small number of figures for each side, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's appealing from a retail point of view. Yeah. I mean, like, right, that would right. be offset the 40 millimeter thing. Cool, it's 40 millimeter, it's big, you only need to buy one. Right, right. Or, like, one for each thing. And it's going to be, like, red, blue, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so that's it's interesting. And because it's a license, though, it's probably not going to go into their vault. So there won't be like printable mm. versions of it because it's, you know, it's a license. Right. It's something they can lose. So they can't keep that forever. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I don't so that'll releasing STLs of that. Right, right. So that's going to kind of affect it. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know if that IP is popular enough, but it, it matches a generic <laughs> war game. So we'll see. And it never ends. So I guess, okay. oh, let's do a little not the best. Oh, yeah. Not, not the best. <laughs> so, so all all activity by Wizards of the Coast and their parent company Hasbro is going to be not the best, not the I think, best, for yeah. the the rest of the year. So, Wizards of the Coast denies using AI art in the new Magic: The Gathering promotional image, which they've already been caught doing yeah. with the um, Tomb Raider. They did a generic. So. They just gotta quit going to Fiverr or whatever these scumbags are that they have doing their promotional stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they claim the art was created by humans, and then later said, "Oh, actually, <laughs> actually, it wasn't." Let's step back, and they have yeah, they get caught again. So there's there was a promotional image with uh, five cards from yeah. some new series, and it had kind of this retro, you know, um, you know, kind of Edison tube, uh, vacuum yeah, tube, kind of like yeah. Uh, How long until before we have vacuum punk? Yeah, right. Vacuum vacuum punk. Punk, I don't know. Right. And if we don't, I'm coining it now. Mine. <laughs> nice. So they were saying uh, already after they got caught that uh, they asked their artists to refrain from using AI-generated tools. But um, when they shared this image on Twitter, uh, it was posit- positively shocking how good uh, how good these lands look in a retro frame was the quote on their Twitter post. And uh, then people started zooming in and looking at the gauges and the bulbs and nothing was lining up. Yeah. And the, it just like, obviously, there's all kinds of artifacts. It's And it, people are getting really good at finding this. You don't even need to use software to find this stuff. It's just like... Just, well, when you're that blatant about it. Yeah, the AI just kind of gives up after a while. It's like, yeah, and so on and so forth. <laughs> just pretend there's more hash marks after this game. Yeah. So they immediately denied the accusations uh, from Twitter. We uh, understand the confusion by fans given the style being different from the card art. What? <laughs> but we stand by our previous statement that this art was created by humans and not AI. So they already caught the uh, uh, in the Bigsby Presents from, uh-huh. for D&D, the glory of the giants, that false positive they had with the dwarf fighter from the new player's handbook. 
and uh a false positive I don't think yeah I that was a, yeah that would did you yeah there, there was kind of a, a a little bit of a witch hunt that they right, went after okay. a specific artist and they're saying we put this in this website and it said 98 point you know something percent right. that it's and it wasn't there to said no i definitely don't do this i have this long career of mm-hmm. working with wizards and uh then the people that kind of started the little witch hunt had to back down and apologize hmm. just because the the tools for determining this stuff aren't very good because they right. put they put the cover of the red box in the same software and they said 96.4% chance or right. possibility okay. it's like well there was no ai <laughs> when this was made so not good um yes so then they had to update so uh, they posted an update on generative ai tools and magic this was uh january 7th uh, thanks to our diligent community who pointed out a series of recent marketing images may have included elements of generative AI. We are rethinking our process of how to work with our vendors and our marketing creatives, like actually get better ones. I don't know. They're just obviously they're not, they don't pay well. So they're no, getting they really bottom of the barrel. Well, I don't, I don't people that are just want you know minimum <laughs> minimum effort so they they have already made clear so we have already made clear that we require artists writers and creative uh, creatives contributing to magic the trading card game to refrain from using generative art we're supporting the amazing human in, uh, ingenuity that is important to magic that ingenuity so. being the creation of AI scraping tools. <laughs> right, yes. I don't know. So so yeah, we're trying to get a better understanding of how the creative process works. And they're already saying blah, blah, blah. There's AI tools in Photoshop, so you can't blame us, you can't blame us. But when it's so blatant like, and that doesn't and you can tell what it's going to be very clear, I think, very soon what tools people are using. And even right now the generative stuff you can see that's the, this is the mid journey because you kind of right, can okay. see the sets that they're trade on, trained on. This is mid journey. This is Dolly. This is you know. So oh, you're, you're okay. starting to really uh, see um, a style develop from these uh, these generative things. But they're blaming you know Photoshop's got this, and our aim is always to come down on the side of human made and artists. So let's then pay them. Yeah right. Yeah you're right. Swap, yeah. yeah, pay them for their time, and uh, you won't get that that cheap ass turnaround stuff and uh so of course we got more more ai stuff with the uh, new york times lawsuit so they're trying to hold uh, open ai and microsoft responsible for billions of dollars in unlawful copying of the new york times they found out i don't know if they um somehow maybe through some uh part of the legal process mm-hmm. they um uh, found out that the the open ai used millions of articles from the new york times to train and create their large language models and the fact that the New York Times is going after them is because in these uh, in this uh, data set, this the New York Times stuff was rated as a high value, and so they they specifically found in documents hmm. that they were saying this is uniquely valuable work, and uh, they're just uh, going to hold them responsible for just for, for stealing outright all of stealing that. It, yeah. yeah, just outright stealing that. And and I think OpenAI, I, I saw a statement. I don't know if it was related to this lawsuit. Said, but they said basically AI wouldn't exist without I you know, copyright theft. I'm like. Well, then it should well, be said. Right? <laughs> That's not a yeah. hard thing to say. But yeah. OpenAI, of course, is surprised and disappointed by this lawsuit. We're hopeful. Did an AI write that? Yeah, right. Yeah, the, well, the AI, AI said. The AI. Ask for opinion. The AI said. I'm, I'm going to stop using that. LLM, <laughs> because it is not yeah. intelligent. Right, 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 right. LLM. Yeah. The LLM said that uh, we hope to find a mutually beneficial way to work together. So we'll steal about stuff. mutually beneficial way as you fuck off forever? Yeah, right, right. No, no, we'll just, we'll steal your stuff and then we'll pay you whatever the judge says to pay you and then we'll move on with our If the judge says to pay you before yeah. you get brankrupt. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. 
So yeah, they, and they, so they weighted the the publisher's uh, content very very high. Uh, so about two hundred ten thousand unique uh, New York Times URLs were used, which amounted to about one percent of the total data set. One point two three percent of the total data set. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's unfortunate. So this just keeps going on, and this is followed. Um, this follows uh, seventeen authors, including uh, George R. R. Martin and John Grisham, that have gone after them for the same. So if George R. R. Martin gets in an LLM, does that mean the LLM just will never finish writing articles? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, well, Zing! Well, sorry, <laughs> well, it never finishes the book series. And unfortunately, uh, not only did Magic get caught in their promotional materials, but Wacom the tablet yeah, people like yeah. yeah did their little dragon year of the dragon little promo art and obviously it was ai generated they just put in chinese dragon and so that's very weird and well, funny think about how do. much skill it took to write that prompt <laughs> right to get yes exactly yes. the image they, they had to say yeah. red chinese dragon yeah right yeah. that that took a so yeah they, they did the same stupid thing and what's hysterical is they sell tools to artists so they're if they're going to use ai to promote tools that they're going to sell to artists what what is the point i mean saving money yeah i guess it's just Everything is text prompt. So it's a real betrayal. Yeah, a brand like Wacom, it feels like a betrayal because right. their main artist, their main audience is artists. I mean, come on. Let's at least go back to the tried and true contests where <laughs> please make this, try and make this thing for us. And then we'll select it and use it in your right. our article, right? right. We're not going to pay you anything for it, right? right? But you'll have the privilege of winning our contest, right? That at least feels more and honest than this. No, it doesn't. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. I just like it better than this AI. LLM nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And another another thing that uh, came out of this just recently, someone released a screenshot from a Discord conversation with uh, one of the creators of MidJourney. And they were talking to, I think it was a, um, a Magic the Gathering card artist that said, ha, 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 you'll find this very funny. The first data set we trained our AI on was all Magic the Gathering art. Like, we just sucked up your entire, because the card art's available digitally yeah. out there. We just sucked it up, and that was the first thing. Like, Isn't that funny? And the artist was supposed to laugh for something? I don't know. But uh, can that laugh form in the come? Can that laugh come in the form of a bullet? <laughs> we'll see. Yes. So, um, yes. Uh, so, welcome is giving up. Um, uh, things. Uh, oh yeah, no. So, so the, not only uh, welcome, but so things have AI has affected other types of um, art processes, especially contests. So there was an annual self-published fantasy blog off, oh, which was shut down entirely when the last when last year's winner uh, admitted under duress that they used AI tools. What, did they waterboard the person? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Under I don't know what under duress. Threat of suspension of their social media. So yeah, so I, we just have to keep this up, like this anti AI. Pressure. The only thing that's going to do, if you got to embarrass these companies, yeah. threaten their, uh, you know, get their sh- shareholders panicking, and that's the only way. Otherwise, they're just going to do this. They're just yeah. very slowly. This will become standard operating procedure, which we've all last year reported. It just, just keeps coming up. These companies are so lazy. Just going to make it a PR nightmare for them to use yeah. this stuff. Yep. So that's not going to end, and I'm sure Wizards is not going to stop either. I'm Regardless sure of how many statements they, you know, release, yeah. they they can't stop uh, not paying enough. But Let's move on to a a, a battleground, uh-huh. a fight, a fight that has Ooh, already okay. happened. So you know, if you, you I'm, I'm sure you missed the uh, formerly known as Twitter drama. Oh, I do, yeah. But uh, it, we had some of that uh, right at the end of the year. So uh, a D and D historian has said the golden age of TTRPGs is dead. It's over. TTRPGs or. D&D specifically. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's, I think, the mistake he makes okay. is he conflates the two. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, you know what? As much as I hate that, it, like, that's what 
wants Ian Hasbro yeah, they want to yeah, go yeah, for, yeah. right? So I, I right. think it can be kind of excused a little bit. Right? Yes. So this is Ben Riggs we're talking about, and January, oh, okay. uh, yeah, January third, uh, he was uh, he released just a, a long uh, Twitter thread talking about uh, you know, kind of what he wanted to say, like that what we're going to be facing this year is. Uh, in his opinion, the realization that, yeah, the golden age is over. So the, the fracturing of the community uh, in the wake of the OGL debacle okay. um, uh, has created this. And so uh, Ben Riggs has worked for Geek and Sundry and Gizmodo as a, uh, as a writer and also published a, a really interesting uh, book about kind of the handover of uh, Dungeons and Dragons from TSR to Wizards of the Coast oh. called Slaying the Dragon, A Secret mm-hmm. History of Dungeons and Dragons. So he's very D&D centric. And I think a lot of his thinking comes from that. And it, be having a bigger like historical context i think he wants to say he wants to kind of make some sense of like these this thing is repeating itself like history in some sense is repeating itself itself but there's too many other factors now i think to to simplify it like this and i think a lot of people are kind of arguing that so uh a community uh the 5e community which created multiple businesses uh which people could make their living from including you know third-party content creators streamers and and so the the thing about everything that was created under 5e is it all shared customers? It was very portable. And if you were playing 5e, you could just move between these sure. worlds and systems and everything. And what's going to happen after this fracturing with all of these new games that are kind of based on 5e or whatever 5e is going to become, you won't be able to do that. Things will no longer be portable because everyone's making their own little changes to that or that recipe. Okay. I didn't read this article, mm-hmm. but right off the bat, I'm going to disagree mm-hmm. because look at the OSR. Ah, uh, yeah, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Like, how many almost identical or very similar games mm-hmm. exist? And I mean, okay, they're not. Maybe material isn't instantly portable, mm-hmm. but I mean, like, all you gotta do is like tweak a few numbers. Mm-hmm. Of, like, so right off the bat, I think you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, because they have a lot of the same. Yeah, a lot of the uh, uh, things that are similar enough stats and things that class, make it yes. race, right, stat, skill, d twenty roll, right, mm-hmm. like. That's all pretty interchangeable. I mean, right. with a little work. Yes. So what uh, uh, you know, what Riggs is calling um, sixth edition, he, uh, he says, is going to be you know kind of the the end of this because uh, sixth edition has brought on or the o- OGL mm-hmm. basically uh, brought on uh, Kobold Press's Tales of the Valiant and Matt Coville's MCDM. Uh, which both grossed millions in crowdfunding. Um, and, uh, but the first thing, pr- first prediction he makes about this is that's the biggest numbers they're going to see. Um, uh, because they've, the f- community is now fractured, everything is going to be in decline. No one is going to have. So when everyone was supporting 5e, especially Matt Coville was having some really big success uh-huh. with doing stuff. stuff. Yeah. The stuff that, the stuff that he did. And he was a, a, basically an evangelist of 5e and probably brought a lot of people into playing that game and play, using his, uh, you know, systems and, and rules and things, mm-hmm. his like stronghold rules and stuff that he had come up with. Um, but now that is going to be over and everyone's going to pitch their own little thing. So, uh, the fracturing in the non kind of not portable way that things are going to be made, uh, is going to be different. But Linda, uh, Kodega immediately kind of, uh, spoke up about this and criticized, of course, like, like you did, uh, Riggs's, uh, uh, D centric point of view saying D D is barely responsible for ushering in a golden age of D and D much less the golden age of TTRPGs. <laughs> and, uh, another journalist, Christian Hoffer, uh, suggested that, uh, critical role has uh, dropped D and D. So, oh, um, they? yeah, yeah. 
That's so they're moving. Yeah, they're moving on to their their own system. Obscura, yeah, which is marginal, just like <laughs> <laughs> right. And, yep, right. And okay. Daggerheart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their original system, just like that sci-fi one shot, was an original system. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Right, sure. Right. Yes. So um uh yeah and and also uh, uh Riggs made the comment that it was kind of truly inconceivable that sixth edition will have an OGL or put its rules in the Creative Commons, but we've seen that that's what I think Wizards hmm. knows that they have to do. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But th- what he's basing this on is the idea that TSR uh, failed in the same way because they split their fan base by creating too many settings and subsystems in which you could play D&D. So immediately you would do these releases. And if you weren't playing Greyhawk or if you weren't right. playing Forgotten Realms, or you would just not even buy those books. Right. So that was kind of the um, and everyone kind of acknowledges, yeah, that was their their business aside from their crazy financing. Mm. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so and the uh, the founder of Paizo, uh, Lisa Stevens, also says that that the splitting of the customer base is the number one reason why TSR went out of business. Mm-hmm. So kind of acknowledged, but yeah, so 2010 to 2021, um, uh, they're also saying it's oh, I think this is um, yeah, Matt Coville. It was only a golden age for investors and D and D owners. <laughs> it wasn't a go. golden yep. age for for everyone. Uh, and uh, uh, he also suggested that uh, uh, Riggs is uh, he started with this conclusion, then kind of tried to work backwards, backwards to right. make it to make it work. So Coville says there is not now, nor will there ever be any degree. And I get I can't say it with the enthusiasm that he probably would have said this, but any degree or quality of success we could have that wouldn't cause those people to predict our imminent doom or downfall. Okay. And basically, he's saying that yeah, we're successful, so people are just you know calling our our, our death day. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was a really long, uh, really long thread. But I I do think that um, he is kind of trying to point to something that we aren't ever going to see again. I mean, I think this this 5e thing and people being like, okay, well, let's do it for 5e. I mean, you know, Symborum and uh, the Lord of the Rings yeah. uh, role-playing game. And there's so many things that like, they just, okay, we got to do it in 5e. There's so many, yeah, so many. I hope that fucking dies. <laughs> right. But, but, and that, but the thing is, I mean, I think that's, it's good. I mean, and it'll offer a, a bigger variety of experience, a much, you know, you can play the kind of game you want to play. But at the same time, having that common language, everybody having that common system, we didn't even take full advantage of that. Like it didn't, I don't think that the hobby really enjoyed what would have been the full benefit of that is everyone being able to iterate on the rules and have a system that everyone understood how to play and could share in kind of, you know, contributing to it. It didn't, ever quite happen and we had it and it's gone <laughs> it's never hmm. gonna never going to exist again so just i don't know because you know when you have a dominant system like that looking up rules and kind of you know trying to really figure out how how the system plays and the system works and what the kind of overall consensus of how to read rules are i think that's an interesting part of it and it's it's an interesting discussion that can be ongoing and we're not going to have that anymore. People are going to move into their camps and just say, I play this. I don't care. You know, well, we already kind of have do. that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we've already seen like the things, uh, Paizo getting rid of, um, there's a couple of the rules changes already that have, yeah. uh, uh, made it. So there, there is kind of no going backwards. The, the two listings. So alignment, yeah. Alignment is gone in, uh, Pathfinder and, uh, and then also the uh, systems moving away from D20. Right. Yeah, because Daggerfall is going to be D12s. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of D6s. And All right. it's madness. <laughs> As, damn it. Yes. As someone who said they'll look at systems <laughs> mm-hmm. as long as they're not 5e compatible, right? Mm-hmm. I guess I have to 
I have to go look at that, I guess. Right. right? right. Anyway, but I mean, I don't know. The whole the whole argument kind of <laughs> seems to me to be kind of like an analogy or basically saying, gee, I wish we had one of those like big box stores again where we could just all shop right. at the same place. Yeah. And they're like, right. sure, okay, it was really convenient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You always knew, I guess, what you were getting and everyone can kind of go there. But it's like, oh, gee, I wish we had that monopoly again in favor of all right. these little right. specialty stores. Yeah. Right? Like, is, is, sure. If you were an investor in that store, right? If you really like that store, yes, I guess this is a negative. But this is going to al- hopefully allow the smaller games to do the thing that they do better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than the big old generic game. Right? Yeah, and that feel like something yeah, you have to explain to somebody. Okay, the re- this is the way that this isn't 5e. Like no one's going right. to have that that reference anymore. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it's a uh It'll be an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Ability scores and alignments are going away, and the dice are getting wacky. So, um, yeah, and the uh, uh, they're talking about by right before the sale to uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast, uh, TSR their more recent release with I guess the um, the Birthright campaign mm. only sold like seven thousand copies. Wow. <laughs> like they, they were in such decline, wow. they just could not get these things off the shelf. And uh, yeah, so it's. Uh, uh, it, it's interesting because now that there isn't going to be kind of, you know, this YouTuber community promoting 5e, promoting 5e, everyone is going to be talking about a lot of multiple types of game systems and things. And so you'll be exposed to a lot of different things. But I wonder what that's going to do. You know, I wonder what that's going to do the, to the hobby. If it's going to people are going to find what they want or some people are just going to be like too many choices, you know, because that's why people have brand loyalty. Yeah, yeah. So you go into a store and you're just like, I like the blue one, you know, you yeah, just, yeah. 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 So being, you know, like uh, affecting that might be interesting. So a couple of the signs that um, uh, Riggs also said is, uh, yeah, so the frequency of million dollar TTRPG Kickstarters will decrease. Attendance at major gaming conventions will plateau. And uh, TTRPGs overall will become less interesting, less exciting, and less creative. Well, I agree with the first two points, and I don't know what ass he pulled that third point out of, right? Because <laughs> right, Jesus Christ. Right. right. Yeah, but but I think, you know, in, in trying to tap into, like, you know, instead of actually being creative in the game design space, just trying to make something that's popular, you know, I think that would be less creative. Oh, just absolutely. Trying, trying to second-guess right? customers, yeah. But w- would it be any less interesting or innovative than trying to shovel whatever thing you have into the 5e rule set? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that. You don't know what you got until it's gone. We're going to... Or you don't know what you got if you stay in your little fucking walled garden. <laughs> right, that's true, right? too. But, you know, think of the amazing creativity, like, under Soviet rule in, like, you know, techno, you know, techno music and science fiction from, you know, Russia in the, like, 70s and 80s. Yeah, because that was all mainstream. Right? <laughs> no, but, but there's, like, but, you know, that, that weird restriction and that weird, like, this is the way does make people rebel against it and do mm, interesting oh, yeah, yeah. things. So we don't even so have that what now. you're advocating for is, like, a resurgence <laughs> of the dominance of D&D. Yes, a Soviet style. As, like, a total, totalitarian state yes. that then helps, like, okay. Yes. Only because I read it recently. You're talking uh, oh. God Emperor of Doom. Oh, right. Right? Yes, like, exactly. the enforced stagnation for yes. thousands of years so right. that when the emperor finally dies, mm-hmm. people are kind of imp- Held and encouraged to go out and fracture and, and spin. Okay, yes, yes. yes, that's exactly. And D and D sixth edition is willing to be that tyrant. Yes, okay. Yes. All right. 
So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting year. Yes, uh, as we enter the an year. Interesting couple of millennia. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, right. So the uh, yeah the these this upcoming year of the dragon should be quite a thing. So we'll yeah we'll keep talking about uh, what of everyone we will. is talking about. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah. So start, sorry to start off on such a downer. That was a uh, oh, a, a rough way to start. The news, yeah. Yes, but it's all. Uh, it's all happening. All right. So that'll do it for this week. Yeah. So where can people find you? Um, Blue Sky and Instagram at HiveMind, H-Y-V-E-M-Y-N-D, where I'm mostly posting in-progress pictures of little six-millimeter tanks. Nice. Some tanks. How about you? And I am kind of, I'm not, uh, yeah, I've been off out of, <laughs> out of it for a bit, but uh, I'm still trying to do my cartoon live stream. And, uh, and we just finished uh, Deathmatch Island. We did Ooh, our nice. third session of Deathmatch Island. So if you want to... That, that live stream is on the channel. If you want to hear the exciting, <laughs> it's like a secret vote. A lot of stuff is determined because it's a reality yep, show. Yep, and like yeah, yeah, there's a se- secret vote that goes on. So things go unexpected directions, but it was fun. It was really, really a fun uh, game to play. And it was one of those, um, those games where you're making a role, but you only make one role per situation. Oh, wow, so okay, yeah, yep. you decide an approach and then what you're good at or what you're bad at or what you want to make yep. happen. And then you just got to try to do it. And uh, so that was that was really fun. Very different from the games we played before. Nice. And uh, and then also you have the uh, the camera, like the interview after something oh, happens. Okay, how, okay. So how, what did this look like? How did you feel when this was going on? Yeah, you get that interview. It sucked. <laughs> but uh, and next is Blade Runner. So case Ooh, yeah. case file two, not this weekend, but next weekend. <coughs> Sorry. So I'll remind you again uh, when that gets started. So we'll do yeah case file two with a a third player. So um, Ooh, yeah, we're gonna nice. add we're gonna add an additional player, and hopefully it won't make things even more insane. Catch in the mix. Right? Yeah, case file number two is already insane enough. So we'll Ooh. see if I can actually keep this going. And if you like what we're doing here at uh, uh, the weekly, please consider becoming a weakling. Yes, the strongest of all supporters at Patreon.com/slash/UpturnTable. Uh, you can tell us what you'd like to see more of and uh, just kind of send us some links to news stories you think is interesting about Tabletop. And we will cover that on the weekly and yeah. uh, as well as uh, all the other stuff that's uh, going on on the channel. The actual plays, the audiobooks when they get finished and uh, lore videos, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, and uh, we did be a better word than that. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> and we did um, uh, the 12 games of Christmas, too. We opened a bunch of uh, games from the end of the we're from the the uh, 2023 uh, throughout the year, and yeah, Starforged was one of the ones oh, nice. that we, yeah. we we looked at. And uh, yeah, so thank you for joining us, and we'll do this again next week. So upturn table on all social media, and we'll see you next time. Later, mortals. Goodbye.